Welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Today, we'd be sipping on some coffee that Erica found in her good old town, Chicago. Is that how they say it? Chicago? It's not, but... <laughs> I'm not very good at accents, but it's a it's how I would imagine they say it. I've never been. Midwest accent. It's pretty, pretty basic up here. <laughs> we <laughs> are even drinking. from here. <laughs> My whole family is from Illinois. I don't know how I wouldn't know. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. My sister Where? is in the Quad Cities, like Moline area. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's the teeny tiny town, teeny tiny town. But <laughs> back to the coffee, Erica. We yes. are drinking blue bottle coffee, and we're drinking the playlist blend. And the, the artwork for it is just so cute with like the little mm-hmm. headphones, and they like say coffee with the string. It's really um, cute. That'll be a cute Instagram story. But I love this flavor because it has hazelnut in it. Hazelnut. I knew you were going to pick this because I was reading all the ones that you sent me and I was like, dang, she's going to pick this hazelnut one. But it's good. Mm. It's brown sugar too. You like that? Yeah, I do. I do like brown sugar. Anybody, let us know if you've tried Blue Bottle Coffee because we're really loving it. Again, I'm drinking mine with pumpkin spice creamer because I can't be stopped. I think it's pumpkin season. It some is people, pumpkin season. Some people would fight me on that. And I Nate, implore, Nate would fight you. <laughs> I implore him to fight me. <laughs> I think September is fall, but he said it's not fall. No, I think technically the 22nd of September maybe is when 21st. it turns fall. But guess what? I don't That's care. a week. In a week, it'll be fall officially. So we're starting early. So I'm, I'm pre-gaming fall. Who cares? <laughs> but that is what we be sipping on. Yeah. And I love it. So we are about to hit 5,000 downloads. So thank you guys so much. That's so awesome. I know. We're going to hit it like today. So thank you guys so much for your continued support. Thanks for continuing to share our podcast on your stories and telling your friends. It has been so much fun. And we're just going to keep doing it. 5K is only the start, my babies. Just the beginning. And if you've been with us since the start, you're a true fan. So thank you. Yeah, we got to think of like a name for you guys. Listeners is what I use. (laughs) There you go. We love our listeners. Yes. We have been sending out some stickers to people on Instagram who've been giving us coffee recommendations and case recommendations. So if you guys want to give us coffee or cases, just DM us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want to use. It's all just Crime on Caffeine, or you can go to our website, crimeoncaffeine.com, and do it that way. And we can send you some stickers if you're you're wanting one. We should give a shout out to Elsie. She bought us three coffees, that sweet angel. Thank you so much, Elsie. Thank you so much. This blue bottle coffee is, it's all you, girly. Thank you for listening. If you guys want to send us a coffee, it's buymeacoffee.com slash crime and caffeine. Helps the show, helps us. We love you for it. You can also just go right to our website, crimeoncaffeine.com, and it's the first name that'll pop up. I was just about to say that. You beat me to it. Just read your mind. I know. Speaking of mind, I've lost mine. 
And I'm so glad that it's your week because I would not be able to function or form sentences. So without further ado, because I know we ain't got no true crime news, let's hear it, girly. So today, our case, this was a suggestion by one of my dearest friends, Katie. Um, I miss you and thank you so much for recommending this case. Um, I had heard this case before and... I didn't look into it for a long time because, okay, so this is the Slenderman stabbing case, if you haven't heard of it. And I didn't look into it for a really long time because I am terrified of Slenderman. I I don't know why, but he creeps me, he creeps me out, okay? His whole facade is like not it for me. Whenever I see anything Slenderman, I'm like, ugh. I think I'm just triggered because... Like growing up, so I was always like really thin, and I had my growth spurt in like fourth grade. So I was I w- I was Slenderman. Oh my god, you're Slenderman! <laughs> like, I was taller than like all the boys, so I would slouch on one side, like on one leg, and like try and bend over so that I wasn't taller than everyone. It's triggering because I was Slenderman. Not not anymore. Body's changed a little bit. Still, basically Slenderman. <laughs> yeah. So. This is that case. Creeps me out. I will sit here and talk about serial murders for hours upon end, but no, this guy, no, not it, not it, not even real, but not it. And I don't know all the details of this one, so I'm really excited. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is this like kind of like a possession situation? So here's something I wanted to mention. So obviously we do psychological profiles for our offenders. This one is, it's not a possession situation. It's a psychological situation. So instead of doing a profile, I'm kind of going to talk about it within the case just because so many professionals are involved and they talk about it a lot. That's like the basis of the trials. So the psychology is just going to be mixed in. So you'll you'll get what I'm saying. Right. This is also probably going to be on the shorter side. I know, crazy for me, but I'm not really going to get into like the background on the girls because it's not like there's a ton of information about them. They were just 12 years old when this happened, so... I'm excited. Let's just get into it. So, Morgan Geyser was born on May 16th, 2002 to Matt and Angie Geyser. She grew up in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and she was best friends with Peyton Leitner. Peyton and Morgan became best friends in the fourth grade, and according to Peyton, she just saw Morgan sitting alone at lunch one day, and she just decided to befriend her. And she described her as being funny and lonely. Peyton also said that Morgan was creative. She was a great drawer and she made things fun for them. Morgan even said that Peyton was her only friend for a long time. And her nickname for Peyton was Bella. All right. So two years later, Morgan became friends with a girl named Anessa. So Anessa Wire was born on November 10th, 2001 to Bill and Christy Wire. She grew up in Waukesha as well, obviously, because I went to the same school. But this period in time, sixth grade, I know, it's a tough year for all of us. It is. No, I loved sixth grade, actually. I will say, I was brand new to the school. Well, I mean, everybody was, but I had just moved to the area. So all these people that went to elementary school knew each other, and I didn't know any of them. Oh, you were that girl. You were Morgan. I was the girl at the lunch table, like... All by myself on the first few days of school. You were Morgan Geyser. Well, never mind. I don't want to be her. So yeah, this time in sixth grade when Morgan kind of brought Anissa into their little friendship. Well, it's a circle now. 
Um, Peyton described this as when, quote, everything went downhill. She said that this year, Anessa and Maureen became obsessed with Slenderman. This was around December 2013. Okay. And she said, I thought it was odd. It kind of frightened me a little bit, but I went along with it. I was supportive because I thought that's what she liked. Good friend. Uh, I'm the first one to tell my friend she loony. <laughs> I'd be like, guys, listen. Well, we have to remember 12 years old, everybody. They're 12. She said at this point she considered cutting Morgan off as a friend because of just like how much she changed after meeting Anessa. It was like crazy how much she changed and their friendship changed a lot as well. But she was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't know. I'm, I kind of seems like Morgan was like her only friend. I don't know. We'll see. But Peyton said she really never liked Anessa. She said that she just hung out with her because she knew that Morgan really loved her as a friend. But she said that Anessa was, like, super cruel to her always. And she said she thinks that maybe she was just jealous that she and Morgan were friends, like, before them. Threes never work. Threes can work. Threes never work. There's always going to be some drama. There's always going to be drama. Someone's always going to be left out. It's like three people cannot fit on the sidewalk. Someone's always going to be walking behind. That was a good assessment. Mm -hmm. I'm saying because I have been in that boat. I'd be like, why am I in the back of this triangle right now? Always the one walking. (laughs) (laughs) I'd always walk by your side, girly. Well, when me, Nate, and Thor go on walks, Thor pushes me out of the way and I'm behind. (laughs) Bullshit. He's a baby. I'll walk next to you, girl. Thank you. See, that's why fours work. Fours work. Um, so I just want to talk about Slenderman a little bit because I don't know if everybody's totally informed on like who he is, where he came from. I really wasn't. I just thought he was just a character in something. Basically, he's a creepy pasta internet meme from 2009. And there's a forum called Something Awful and a user named Eric, whose username was Victor Surge. He created it. And it was actually part of like a Photoshop contest where users were supposed to create paranormal images like based off Photoshop images. Obviously, none of it was real. So Slenderman is just like a tall, thin, lanky figure with a featureless face. There's nothing there. And so the user Photoshopped a photo of two children being haunted by Slenderman, this figure. And... The user continued to create like a bunch of fake photos with fake newspaper clippings, fake headlines of things that happened with Slenderman and things that he did and murders and like all this stuff further feeding into the myth and kind of like making it seem like it was a real thing. But obviously the people on this website know that it's a myth. And so the thread became a place where the forum users pretty much all collaborated together to create this mythical story of Sunderman. So other people were making these doctored photos, making up these stories. It was like everybody was coming together to like add on to this character to the point where this thread itself was 194 pages long. So there's a lot what? of stories there. And you know the internet. 194 pages long, it's going to go somewhere. Okay. So in some instances, Slenderman would kill his victims in ways that weren't specified by police and journalists in those doctored news clippings that they made. So it makes it more like mysterious. But in other cases, Slenderman got his victims to kill each other. I don't like this already. (laughs) Me neither. But eventually this thing spread like wildfire across the internet. I mean, we've all heard of him. Uh, There was even a movie about it in 2018 with Joey King which she's the girl from Kissing Booth and Gypsy Rose. Okay. 
back to the, back to this trio. So Morgan's birthday was coming up and the three girls were going to have a sleepover at Peyton's house to celebrate, which was pretty normal for Morgan and Peyton. They like always had sleepovers together. And so the girls went roller skating and they got froyo. And then Peyton said that something about the night felt super off. And she said that like, usually when Morgan slept over her house, she would want to stay up all night because she couldn't do that at home. But when she went to Peyton's sleepover, they kind of had more freedom. And so she thought it was super weird that at her own birthday sleepover, Morgan wanted to go to sleep early. She said she was really tired. And Peyton was like, okay, like this is weird. This never happens. Also, it's your birthday. I don't know. But here's the thing. Peyton had no idea that in the months between December 2013 and May 2014, Morgan and Anessa had been plotting to murder Peyton in order to become Slenderman's proxies. They had been planning this for months, and they were planning on it taking place this night. So according to Anissa, if she didn't carry out Slenderman's request and murder Peyton, he would kill her and her entire family. Like I said, they planned to do it that night at Morgan's birthday party. They wanted to tape over her mouth and stab her in the neck that evening. They were going to wake up at like 2 a.m. or something and do it, but I think Morgan said she was like too tired and she didn't want to do it, so they didn't do it that night. So I don't know if you guys know, when we do this, we video and audio record. I can just see Allison's face right now. (laughs) I guess I always knew about the case, but I never looked into any of the details. Just very surface level. I was like, oh, that that shit's crazy. And then I never looked into it. So this is my first time hearing pretty much all of this. And I am shook the house Mm -hmm. down, but... And I'm going to keep Mom. reminding you guys that they are 12-year-old best friends. I think that's the part that's, like, really messing with me. When I was in sixth grade, this is just, like, not something that would ever cross my mind. Not? No. I couldn't. No. So the next morning, May 31st, Anessa and Morgan said that they wanted to go to the woods, like the park or whatever the woods, to play hide-and-seek. And Anissa instructed Peyton to go lie down on the ground and cover herself with sticks and leaves like she was hiding. So in the interrogations, Morgan and Anissa were trying to point the finger at each other and like blame each other saying, oh, well, she did most of it. She started it. Try and paint themselves in a more innocent light. Yeah, quote unquote, lady. But this was before Peyton came out and did an interview later and tells the whole story. Morgan pulled out a kitchen knife and began stabbing her best friend, The knife was then passed back and forth between Morgan and Anissa, with Peyton ultimately being stabbed a total of 19 times in the arms, legs, and torso. I hate. We don't like knives over here. Not that we like anything else, but we just really don't like knives. Don't be doing knives. Not a fan. I don't know. Hearing about stabbing, it makes me like wince. As if my hair didn't look crazy enough right now. I feel like I'm... You look like a Pokemon. Like, you look like... Who's that Pokemon? Who do you look like right now? It's Pikachu. No, it's Espeon. Why do you know all of these? You don't understand how much Pokemon I've played in my entire life. Anyway, back to Slenderman stabbing. After they assumed Peyton was dead, they left to go find Slenderman. They believe that he lived in the Nicolette National Forest, which I'm pretty sure was 300 miles from where they were. They were just going to walk there. They were going to walk 300 miles? I guess so. And I would walk 300 miles in a you know, slender man. I'll for you, Slendy. for him. But Peyton was still alive. So she managed somehow to 
gather up the strength to crawl from the woods to the nearest road where a biker named Greg Steinberg found her and immediately called 911. Good person. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. And according to Peyton, two of the stab wounds hit major organs. So one cut through her diaphragm, causing major damage to her liver and her stomach. Oh. Another stab wound missed a major artery by less than a millimeter. Mm-hmm. Do you know how small a millimeter is? Yeah, it's really small. She is lucky, and I'm so glad she survived because it just makes it that much, throws it in their face a little bit more like, fuck you. So Morgan and Nessa walked almost five miles before being arrested near a furniture store off I-94. And the police found the knife in Morgan's backpack, and the girls had blood all over their clothes. So... They're 12 years old. I don't think they really had this elaborate plan to hide from the police. All they cared about was finding Slendy. Morgan apparently felt absolutely no remorse, which is frightening because that's her best friend. What? Like, they don't know that she's alive, so they think that she's dead right now. And she just was wiling out. Okay. No emotion. No remorse. Nothing. Okay, that's an issue. Big issue. And it's weird because it's like... She wasn't even the one who believed in this at first. Vanessa was the one who showed her Slenderman. She seems like a big follower. Can't think for herself. You see, that's what I thought at first type of thing. But you'll see, you'll you'll see the situation. Okay, I trust you, kind of. Vanessa claimed that she felt guilty, but she just said that she had to do it to save her family from Slenderman. And when Peyton was in the hospital and they told her why the girls attempted to kill her, she said she wasn't surprised at all. That's so sad. But she was sent home a week after being in the hospital and she ended up returning to school in September. So this was like three months later. Wow. In June, Morgan and Nessa were charged as adults with attempted first degree homicide. Bail was set at $500,000. So this is, they're being charged as adults. They're 12 years old. Good. So that's definitely going to create some conflict that we will see. In August, Morgan was deemed incompetent to stand trial after two doctors testified that she talks to, quote, imaginary beings. And her next court date was set for September, but psychologists ended up diagnosing her with early onset schizophrenia. When they met with her to evaluate her, she wasn't, she obviously, she wasn't sad. She wasn't upset she wasn't angry she wasn't anything they said she was almost giddy giddy one psychologist said that she described fictional characters and that she could see them and he said that she was constantly having conversations with them he said that in one account of fantasy characters she described pegasus molesting a unicorn what is what is happening well i'm gonna tell you so as it turns out this is gonna come out later but i just wanted to like give you some background i'm about to get real scientific here in a second But Morgan's father was diagnosed with schizophrenia around the same age that Morgan was when she was diagnosed. Obviously, it took her committing a horrible crime to be diagnosed, but he had it when he was younger and he was actually hospitalized four times when he was 14 and 15 years old. And he later went on disability for his schizophrenia. He didn't have any history of violence or committed any crimes because of his schizophrenia. So I don't want anyone to think that individuals who are diagnosed with this mental disorder are violent, are criminals. In fact, only 10% of homicides are caused by people with mental illness. But I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on schizophrenia. 
So with no genetic predisposition, so like no one in your family has schizophrenia, you have a 1% chance of developing the disorder. But if one parent has it, that percentage is 10 to 13 times higher. If it's both parents, it's about a 40% chance. If it's an identical twin, obviously it's a 50% chance. But because of that, genetics are not the sole cause of schizophrenia. Otherwise, identical twins would have 100% chance of developing the disorder. They would both have it no matter what. Wow. So that means it's caused by the environment as well. And nobody has like the exact, okay, this is a hundred percent what causes it. There's several different factors. So a lot of these things are things that happen during pregnancy, getting the flu during your first trimester, as well as rubella and respiratory infections in the second and third trimester. This is why we get our vaccines. Catch me living in a bubble during my first trimester. (laughs) Don't come near me. Other factors during pregnancy that may increase the risk are low socioeconomic status, maternal deprivation from war or famine. So like hunger, any birth complications or being born in late winter, early spring. These are just correlations. I was just throwing that out there again. Um, But obviously, if it's like all of these things happening at once, it's going to up your chances. There are some cases of people with schizophrenia who have been found to have antibodies from two herpes viruses. So herpes simplex and then CMV, which is cytomegalovirus. Hey, we ain't scientists. No, I never said I was a doctor. (laughs) Um, other cases showed antibodies to, I'm going to butcher this. So please do not leave us a bad review on Apple. Toxoplasmosis Gandhi, which is a parasite that is carried by cats that can infect humans. So a lot of people with schizophrenia grew up with cats. That doesn't mean don't get a cat. I have a cat and I love her. (laughs) Exposure to lead and alcohol during fetal development. Another big thing is fetal hypoxia or interuterine hypoxia, as it's also called, which is when the brain of the fetus is deprived of oxygen. And this can happen for a million different reasons. So issues with the umbilical cord, uh, maternal diabetes, maternal smoking. Studies have shown that fetal hypoxia was associated with greater structural abnormalities in the brains of those with schizophrenia than those without. So this study, which I'll have everything linked, but it studied schizophrenic patients in the brains of siblings, and then it studied patients with low genetic risk for schizophrenia. And so these structures of the brain that are affected are the prefrontal and the medial temporal regions of the brain. So these are responsible for your working and your declarative memory. And also associated is a lower volume of gray matter, which makes up the outermost layer of your brain and passes sensory info to your brain, which allows you to control movement, memory, and emotions. So as you get older, your gray matter very slowly decreases, but people with schizophrenia find a larger reduction of gray matter at a faster rate earlier in life, specifically affecting the frontal cingulate temporal, occipital, and cerebellar cortices, as well as in the caudate nucleus and the thalamus. And if you guys were psych majors, you are having war flashbacks like me right now. That was a lot of words, a lot of brain. Basically, it's taken all the parts of your brain that are responsible for your movements, your memory, your emotions. So when you think of 
the positive and the negative symptoms of schizophrenia, which positive is like something being added or is negative is like taken away or like not there, I guess, in a sense. Makes or sense. like a negative symptom is being catatonic. So like your movement is taken away basically and you're just sitting there. So, you know, those parts of your brain that control movement are those affected by schizophrenia. So that's why that happens. Memory, emotions, things like that. Also, two neurotransmitters that are associated with schizophrenia are dopamine and glutamate. And these neurotransmitters are associated with thinking, perception, and motivation. So brain areas that begin to basically run on dopamine become super overactive, causing those positive symptoms. So these are things like delusions and hallucinations, which clearly Morgan had. She thought that she was seeing things and Pegasus was molesting unicorns and all that. So glutamate is involved with memory and basically telling parts of your brain what to do. And studies have found that in the brains of people with schizophrenia, they have too much glutamate at first, but then as the schizophrenia progresses, they have too little. Another thing that can contribute to this and probably exaggerate those other factors would be having a lot of stress from early trauma or having big life changes, which obviously like we all go through stress. We all have experienced some sort of trauma or change in our life. So we don't obviously all have schizophrenia, but when mixed with some other factors or mixed with your genetics, probability is higher. Thanks for letting me have my little mini lesson. So Morgan was then committed to a mental health facility immediately to be treated for the disorder. Anessa's attorney tried to argue that she also was mentally incompetent and she was then supposed to be evaluated before her October 22nd hearing. And psychologists had conflicting views when it came to her competence. So two doctors deemed her too immature to understand the consequences, while one doctor said that she was extremely intelligent and she was definitely competent enough to stand trial. Agreed. So in December, both girls had been receiving treatment for those last few months, and they were then both deemed competent to understand the charges being brought against them. So whether they were going to plead not guilty by mental illness or whether they were going to plead guilty, whatever... They were able to get things moving. So the trial was due to start in February. And so for now, they were just serving time in a juvenile facility in West Bend. So at the preliminary hearing in February, attorney Anthony Cotton said that Morgan's belief that she had to kill or be killed warranted a lesser charge of attempted second degree intentional homicide, which would make it so that she was no longer able to be in adult court. If they were charged as adults, like they originally were, the girls faced 60 years in prison, but if charged as juveniles, they faced up to 25 years in a facility, so like a mental health facility. But Judge Michael Boren was not buying it. He rejected this argument, stating that the statements that were made by the girls during the police interrogations proved that they'd been plotting this attack for months. They weren't afraid of Slenderman because they wanted to prove that he existed and become his proxies and live with him in the woods. And he said that the defense had not sufficiently established the fear motive to overcome the probable cause that the girls really did attempt to commit first degree intentional murder. Like they spent months planning this thing. You cannot argue that. So because they were minors, they were still able to argue a transfer to juvenile court, but the defense would have to convince the court of three things in order to do this. So they would have to convince the court that if they were in the adult correction system, that the girls wouldn't receive the proper treatment to be rehabilitated, 
they would also have to convince the court that moving them to the juvenile court would not, quote, depreciate the seriousness of the offense. And they had to convince them that keeping the case in adult court was not necessary to deter other juveniles from committing similar crimes. So Anissa's hearing was set for May 26th and Morgan's was set for June 17th. And in April, the internet came to Morgan's defense. So there was a big petition going around pleading for Morgan to receive mental health treatment, like instead of having to go to prison. And it was started by Morgan's mother, Angie. And she started this because a judge denied her request to reduce bail and send her to a residential treatment center. And the judge denied the request because he said that she's a flight risk and the residential treatment center that Angie suggested was, it wasn't a very secure place. And he thought that she would be able to get out. And he said he might consider it if a different, more secure facility was chosen. Which is logical. So now we have Anissa's hearing in May. Psychologists found that she had a very low chance of reoffending and a high chance of success from treatment. Forensic psychologist Anthony Jurek said he saw no signs of personality disorders or antisocial behavior, but instead he saw a girl who was battling trauma experienced from the divorce of her parents and moving to a new middle school struggling to be accepted by her peers. So remember at the beginning how you said you felt like that was Morgan? Which you think that it would be because Anessa came into the picture and she was the one who like showed Morgan Slenderman. I think it was more of Morgan's mental disorder taking off with it and Anessa being like, oh shit, I need a friend. I'm just going to go along with this. But the psychologist said that because of the trauma that she was experiencing and her wanting to fit in, she was very easily influenced by Morgan and He said she was very intelligent and she had very strong verbal skills, which would help her thrive in treatment. So they thought that she was just had way better odds than Morgan was. And they didn't think that, you know, she obviously wasn't schizophrenic. She didn't have any severe mental illnesses, anything like that. But even if the girls were convicted as adults, they were to stay at Copper Lake Juvenile Facility until they turned 18. So at this point, I think they're like 14 right now. So Morgan's hearing in June, this is when the news of Morgan's father's struggles with schizophrenia came to light. And so the defense tried to use this as an argument saying that in order to be treated properly, she had to be treated in a juvenile facility and not in an adult facility. In August, the judge denied moving them to juvenile court, stating that doing so would in fact appreciate the seriousness of the offense, which I totally agree with. He said that the court continues to be concerned with what happens after age 18. There has to be assurance to the public and to these defendants as well that a serious offense has to be dealt with on a serious basis that offers protection to everyone. The girls entered not guilty plea and their trials were to start together in October and they wanted to appeal to have them separate. But in September, the defense asked the court of appeals to reverse the judge's ruling that the girls were to remain in an adult court. And it would take until 2016 for a decision to finally be made. But in January of 2016, Morgan was sent to a psychiatric treatment facility and she started taking medication for her schizophrenia. And in April, her defense team said in court documents that she had been sexually assaulted by her cellmate. But the police reports didn't seem to substantiate sexual assault. Um, Not exactly sure what happened there, but and obviously in no way trying to mitigate sexual assault, but I think they were claiming that it was more than what had actually happened. This is Mm -hmm. them, not me. 
But in July, the Court of Appeals finally made that decision, and they ruled that the girls were to stay in adult court. They said, we will not overturn a circuit court's discretionary determination if the record reflects that discretion was exercised. Instead, we will seek out reasons to sustain the decision. Now, August, back in adult court, Morgan pleaded not guilty by reason of mental illness. And the following month, Anissa pleaded the same. And so both girls, again, were to be evaluated by psychologists. In August of 2017, Anissa pleaded guilty to a lesser charge. I don't know if she like made a deal or what, but the charge that she pleaded guilty to was attempted second-degree homicide as a party to a crime with use of a deadly weapon. If the jury were to find her not guilty by mental illness, she agreed to not seek conditional release from the mental hospital until July of 2020. And if the jury rejected the insanity defense, the prosecution agreed to recommend a sentence of 10 years in prison plus 10 years of extended supervision. Under this reduced charge, though, the judge could completely ignore that recommendation by the prosecution and impose a maximum of 25 years in prison and 10 years under supervision. So the following month, 10 of 12 jurors found her not guilty by mental illness, and she was to finish out her time at the juvenile facility before being committed to 25 years to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute. And in February of the following year, Morgan was ordered to commit to 40 years in a mental facility, which was the maximum sentence recommended by the prosecution. This is what I wanted to talk about in 2019, Morgan's defense team tried to say that she shouldn't have been prosecuted as an adult because she was 12 when she was arrested and she couldn't really understand what rights she gave up when she agreed to speak alone with the detective in custody and confess to everything, which is interesting to me because obviously the rules are different in every state, but just the fact that she was allowed to be interrogated by herself when she was 12. And it doesn't mention if they had like asked the parents and the parents agreed, because I cannot imagine that the parents agreed to that, but it says that she gave up those rights when she agreed herself to speak alone. So I understand why they're trying to use that to appeal it at the end of the day. I still think that adult court is where she should have been. That was in January of 2019, and then in August of 2020, so it took a year and a half, um, the Wisconsin's Second District Court of Appeals agreed with that original Judge Boren that keeping the case in the adult court was the right call, and that her statements to the detectives hours after the stabbing, just, she did it herself, but... Yeah. Her lawyer said her fight is not over, and they decided to appeal it to the state Supreme Court. The next month. Gee Louise. Yeah. So they filed a petition with the Wisconsin Supreme Court in an attempt to reverse Judge Boren's decision and the Court of Appeals decision. And in January of this year, the state Supreme Court denied their appeal. And that's where we are right now, I guess. Well, I want to talk about Anissa first. So if you... I don't remember what episode I briefly touched on this, but... Anissa, who is 19 years old, earlier this year, she wrote a letter to the court. This was like March March 8th she wrote it, and then I think March 10th the court received it. But she said, first of all, I'd like to thank the court for giving me the opportunity to speak. I assure you all I will not be wasting your time. 
I'd like to say that I am sorry and deeply regretful for the agony, pain, and fear I have caused not only Peyton and her family, but my community as well. I take full responsibility for my actions on May 31st, and I show that responsibility by making sure I never get that ill again. I have taken care of my mental health since I was last in this courtroom, thus proving my acceptance of responsibility for my actions on May 31st and the responsibility that comes with living with a mental illness. By communicating with total transparency to my treatment team members, participating wholeheartedly in all aspects of my treatment, and maintaining 100% medication adherence. I vowed after my crime that I would never become a weapon again, and I intend to keep that vow. I hate my actions on May 31st, but through countless hours of therapy, I no longer hate myself for them. I have forgiven myself for my participation in those events, and I ask that anyone affected forgive me as well. I have learned that forgiveness is a process of healing that helps release the pain of the past. I no longer want to be a source of pain in my community, and that is why I ask for forgiveness. Since conditional release is about who I am today versus who I was in the past, I'll move on to more recent matters. I am not claiming to be a perfect person. Far from it, actually. Sometimes I take my medications a little late because life gets in the way. Sometimes I lose my way and down seems up though only for a short period of time because I've learned to talk about what's going on so I don't become a danger again. By petitioning the court for conditional release, I am not saying I am done with my treatment. I am saying that I have exhausted all the resources available to me at the Mental Health Institute. If I am to become a productive member of society, I need to be a part of society. Aside from being committed to being healthy, I am also committed to using this negative situation and publicity for something good. I intend to give back to my community by doing good within it and hopefully healing the wounds I've inflicted on a lot of people. I've always wanted to do for others what I felt no one could have done for me. I want to use my experience losing myself in a mental illness as a way to make others who are dealing with mental struggles see they are not alone. This is not the end of who you are. This does not define you and give reality checks to people who are asking for help. I'm willing to comply with any and all rules that the court and my new treatment team give me. I cannot stress enough that I have gone above and beyond at the Winnebago Mental Health Institute to be healthy, and I will continue to do so to stay healthy. I'm going to be a productive member of society, make my own way, and get some form of higher education. I want to reiterate that I am not saying I'm done growing, changing, evolving, or adapting. I just can't do it here anymore. I thank everyone for their time and patience, and I ask that I be given a chance to prove that I am who I say I am. Wow. What do we think about that? I I honestly think, I don't know, I feel like I believe her. I think she still has a little bit of learning and growing to do, but I think whenever, you know, that time comes where where they can discuss conditional releases. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I would, I might let her out. Well, following this, she oh was granted conditional release in July, which allowed her to live with her father with a GPS ankle monitor that monitored her 24 seven. And though the prosecution insisted she was still a danger to others, she was evaluated by several health professionals who agreed that it was fine and they were to come up with a plan for her. So according to this plan, a case manager would drive her to all of her health and counseling appointments. She'll have a curfew. She won't be able to leave the county or stay overnight anywhere without permission. She can't have access to social media and her internet activity would be monitored. She's required to participate in a minimum of 20 hours of structured social or vocational activities per week. And when appropriate, she will actively participate in continuing her education and obtaining employment. So 
actually one day this week, September 13th, she was officially released. Wow. So these provisions, like this plan that they set in place is going to be her life until she's 37 years old. So she's 19 right now. I think she turns 20 this fall. In November, she turns 20. So for the next 17 and a half years, this is going to be her life. She's got a ways to Mm -hmm. go. So, I mean, I'm hoping, praying. I truly hope that like everything she says she means, and I'm sure she does mean it. But like something in me is like, makes you nervous. It does make you, because she hasn't seen the real world since she was 12 years old. So it's like, how do you know that you're going to be okay? And that you have, it's one thing to have like control over your mental illness in a facility that is meant to work on your mental illness. I don't know. Interested to see what happens. And I wish her nothing but the best, but Peyton's family was pretty upset over this. They're glad that she's doing better and she's getting help and she got help, but they wish that she would have been in there a little bit longer, which I don't blame them. Yeah. I don't blame them for that. Yeah. So that, that's a Slenderman stabbing. That's wild. So wild. So the other girl's not getting out anytime no, soon. She's, she got the maximum years committed to that mental health facility. Well, I'm rooting for the girl that got out. Hope that she can stick with it and become a contributing human. Agreed. That's not an easy thing to do. I do feel bad for Peyton's family. I know, me too. And Peyton, obviously, but I think she's doing really well. I want to see what she's up to today. Peyton? Yeah, she didn't speak publicly until like 2019. She said she sleeps with scissors under her pillow. I want to say she's at college. She wanted to pursue the medical career. A smart lassie. Yeah, and I think it's because of what happened to her. Like That inspired her to want to do that. Peyton, go forth and conquer. We are rooting for you. Yes, we are. You survived. And you are going to live a great life. And help others survive. Well, thanks for giving me all the deets and all the tea on the info of the Slenderman stabbing. Oh, anytime. Anytime. Erica's going to go to the vet. I'm going to brew myself some more coffee. We are so glad that you guys are continuing to listen, continuing to share. And honestly, today we might hit 5K and I'm just pumped up about it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Yes, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify and make sure you hit the little thingy where you get notifications so you are updated every Wednesday when we post. Yeah, and when we post, you should definitely share us to your Instagram stories. Definitely do that. But don't forget to tag us so that we can share you. All of our social media handles are just crime on caffeine. So give us a follow. We want to be friends. Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. Friends forever. Well, next week I am I'm coming back with murder. Are we shocked? I'm not shocked. Are you not shocked? Even the slightest bit shocked. Murder. And it's almost October, guys. If you have any kind of a little bit spooky yeah, guesses, yes. Us, we are super into Please it. Please give us some good spooky cases. Cause like I can't think of anything yeah. off the top of my head. Me neither. Okay. Ooh, that's so exciting. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.